Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, That Which I See Not Teach Thou Me. It shall be focused on the study of Job chapter 34. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word as we see Elihu here counseling Job and teaching him about humility. How he says, Father, that in contrast to justifying ourselves, what we should say is that which I see not teach thou me. If I have done iniquity, I will do no more. So Father, we thank Thee for Thy love and loving kindness and how You took our place and we have become without sin that You might become the guilty one. So we pray, Father, we don't come to Thee to offer any righteousness. We don't come to Thee to offer any righteousness, but we ask, Father, that You forgive us for all our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So speak to us today in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Job chapter 34. Chapter 34. Furthermore, Elihu answered and said, Hear my words, O ye wise men, and give ear unto me, ye that have knowledge. For the ear trieth words, as the mouth tasteth meat. Let us choose to us judgment. Let us know among ourselves what is good. For Job hath said, I am righteous, and God hath taken away my judgment. Should I lie against my right? My wound is incurable without transgression. What man is like Job, who drinketh up scorning like water? Which goeth in company with the workers of iniquity, and walketh with wicked men? For he hath said, It profiteth a man nothing that he should delight himself with God. Therefore hearken unto me, ye men of understanding. Far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. For the work of a man shall he render unto him and cause every man to find according to his ways. Yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. Who hath given him a charge over the earth, or who hath disposed the whole world? If he set his heart upon man, if he gather unto himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh shall perish together, and man shall turn again unto dust. If now thou hast understanding, hear this, Hearken to the voice of my words. Shall even he that hateth right govern? And wilt thou condemn him that is most just? Is it fit to say to a king, Thou art wicked, and to princes, ye are ungodly? How much less to him that accepteth not the persons of princes, nor regardeth the rich more than the poor? For they all are the work of his hands. In a moment shall they die. And the people shall be troubled at midnight and pass away, and the mighty shall be taken away without hand. For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. For he will not lay upon man more than right, that he should enter into judgment with God. He shall break in pieces mighty men without number and set others in their stead. Therefore he knoweth their works, and he overturneth them in the night so that they are destroyed. He striketh them as wicked men in the open sight of others, because they turned back from him and would not consider any of his ways. 
so that they cause the cry of the poor to come unto him, and he heareth the cry of the afflicted. When he giveth quietness, who then can make trouble? And when he hideth his face, who then can behold him? Whether it be done against a nation or against a man only, that the hypocrite reign not, lest the people be ensnared. Surely it is meet to be said unto God, I have borne chastisement, I will not offend any more. That which I see not, teach thou me. If I have done iniquity, I will do no more. Should it be according to thy mind? He will recompense it, whether thou refuse or whether thou choose, and not I. Therefore speak what thou knowest. Let men of understanding tell me, and let a wise man hearken unto me. Job hath spoken without knowledge, and his words were without wisdom. My desire is that Job may be tried unto the end because of his answers for wicked men. For he addeth rebellion unto his sin. He clappeth his hands among us, and multiplieth his words against God. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Rev. William Branham, titled, An Ensign. This was preached in 1953, on June the 6th. We'll begin at paragraph 6 up to paragraph 22. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Say, there's a little between the line you have to read in the Bible. Do you believe that? It's a love letter. Wrote to the church. There's no need of seminaries trying to teach it because it's not known by minds of this world. I've hid it from the eyes of wise and prudent and will reveal it to babes such as will learn. It's truth. So there's, that's the reason we've got all these different forms and kinds of religions and churches. It's all right. Let it go. God's got it. He's the one who takes care of the books. Look. Notice, though, how, how it was. Let me give you a little something between the lines. You know, sometime when I, I get away over here overseas, I'm very fond of my wife, and she writes me a letter, and she says, Dear Billy, I'm sitting here tonight. I'm thinking very much of you. I'm so-and-so. That's what she's saying, but I'm reading right between the lines. <laughs> I, I know it goes a little deeper than that. <laughs> and if you've got the Holy Spirit, you're in love with Christ, you can read between God's lines. There's something in there. While we're... A little off the subject, just of this, but let me drop you a little something. Why did Joseph want his bones buried up there? Notice, when Job, an old, one of the oldest books of the Bible, when he died, he was getting ready, or before he died, he was sitting on an ash heap, scraping his boils, and his wife came and said, Job, why don't you curse God and die? He said, Woman, thou speakest like a foolish woman. Now, I never said she's foolish, but she's speaking like one. He said, The Lord gave and the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Some of his church members came down to give him some consolation, set with their backs to him seven days, accused him of being a secret sinner. Not much consolation there. But they accused him of sinning against God, but Job knowed his heart. He knowed he hadn't sinned against God. Many times people say, See all that sickness in that family? I told you, they're not living right. Now, God does do that sometimes, but not every time it's God doing that. God here was dealing with a saint, a trying and proving of a saint. And every man that cometh to God must first be tried of God. And if he can't stand chastisement, then you become an illegitimate child and not the child of God. Trials. 
to try our faith. Isn't that marvelous? God would give us those trials and tests to prove us. Now notice, this is beautiful. Then after a while, Job sitting there, knowing his heart, little Elihu came down, which we know the Hebrew word Elah, which came in from God, meaning that God representative, otherwise it was a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, come down speaking to Job, said, Now look, Job, you're accusing God wrongly. said, But now, he spoke to him, and he said, Now, you're looking out upon the natural things here and so forth. And he said, Job, Job began to speak to him about the flower, how it dies. In the spring year, it comes back up again. If a tree dies, it lives again. But it said, man lays down, he giveth up the ghost, he wastes away, his sons come to mourn his death, he perceiveth not, where is he? He said, you've been noticing all those things, I'm putting it kind of drama child form for the little ones. He said, now you've been looking at that, but remember, that flower or that tree never sinned against God. Man sinned against God, so it separated him from God. But there's coming one someday who will stand in the breach between a sinful man and a holy God and bridge the way. Put a hand on a sinful man and a holy God, bridge the way, speaking of Christ. The prophet saw it. He stood on his feet. The lightnings begin to flash, the thunders roar. Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And the last days he'll stand on the earth, though the skin worms destroys this body, yet my flesh shall I see God. Watch. When he died... Years later, he made a specification of where to bury him. Along come Father Abraham, and when Sarah died, he went close to the same land that Job was buried in. He bought a piece of ground. He wouldn't let him give him to him. He bought that ground for a burying place, and he buried Sarah near Job. And when Abraham died, he slept in the same grave with Sarah. And Abraham begot Isaac, and when Isaac died... He slept with Abraham. And Isaac begot Jacob, and when Jacob was died down in Egypt, but before he died, oh, I just love this. He said, come here, Joseph. He had a crippled hip where an angel touched him from wrestling. Look at that. On one side of the river one night, a big, strong backslider. On the next, side, next morning, on the other side of the river, a limping prince. It wrestled with God. He said, Come here and lay your hands upon my hip. And swear to me that you'll not bury me down here. Wonder why. But take me back up there and let me be buried with Abraham and Isaac. Why? Then along comes Joseph. He said, Now wait. They put his bones in a coffin. I had my hand on the old lead coffin here not long ago. They supposed to had his bones in. He said, when you go out of here, bury my bones up there. Don't bury me down here. I wonder why. It isn't written in the Bible, but they were prophets. They could read between the lines. They knew that that first fruits of the resurrection wasn't coming in Egypt. It was coming in Palestine. And when Jesus came on earth and they'd done to him what they said they would do, and when he died... And rose on the third day, Matthew 27 said, Many of the bodies of the saints that slept in the dust of the earth rose and come out of the grave and entered into the city. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Therefore, have anything you wish you, but bury me in Christ. For those that are in Christ will God bring with him at his coming. 
hide away from the world. What a beautiful picture. There's between the lines. What the Bible says and what you see in between the lines goes right on with the rest of the Word, but it just fills up the gap where you wonder why they was doing it. Now, on our pilgrim journey, we notice out in the wilderness why they begin to sin after God had blessed them and brought them through the Red Sea. Isn't it strange, old, that the children of Israel in their journey... God led them the first thing right into a death trap, right up to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army coming, pursuing the mountains on one side, the sea had them cut off. But God's path went through the sea. Many times God lets us get right up like that. Then he looked down through that pillar of fire and the sea rolled back and they went across. God made a way of escape. He always will in every instance. Notice, then they went right straight to the wilderness of sin. Isn't it strange? From one trial to another. Some through the waters, some through the floods, some through deep trials, but all through the blood. God's way leads sometimes right through every briar patch, right up over the hill. Down through the rugged places, sickness, trials. But God brings more than victorious through them all. Notice, they begin to sin and murmur against God and against Moses. And God told Moses when he went to praying, interceding for the people. Now, why did Moses intercede? Now, listen closely. God had appeared to Father Abraham years before that in Genesis 22 in the name of Jehovah Jireh. When he was offering up his only begotten son and a, a lamb bladed in the wilderness and God stayed his hand and the name of God was called Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. Amen. Oh, this is beautiful. I just love the Word. Notice, then, right in that crucial moment, serpents had come in among the people and were biting them. And Moses was taught in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and they were boasting physicians, far beyond in many things than what we are today, had our doctors skinned by hundreds of miles. But Dr. Moses had no cure for that snake bite. Nothing could be done. There they was, way in the wilderness. And Moses prayed, and God came to him and told him the remedy for it. I like that. Why is he? God, Jehovah, Jireh, the Lord will provide. Make a way. I love it. Notice, then God told Moses, in this type or symbol, said, go make a serpent out of brass and put it on a pole. Now, the serpent in a symbol meant sin. The serpent represented the serpent from the Garden of Eden already judged. Snake turned from an a animal. Now, he wasn't a reptile. The Bible said he was the most subtle of all the beasts of the field. He wasn't a reptile. He was a beast. And he 
turned to a serpent on his belly. And that snake represented sin judged and made out of brass meant divine judgment. Brass means divine judgment in the Bible. See, the people were sinning because they didn't believe the prophet. They were chiding against him and against God. They had sinned, and because of sin, serpents had bit them, and they were dying. And all sickness was caused by sin. That's right. Before we had before we had sin, we had no sickness. But sin or sickness is an attribute of sin. Sickness came because of sin. Maybe not what you done, inherited. Three or four generations it'll follow. God said so. Notice. And so God put up this had Moses to put up this ensign to Israel. And when he lifted it up, sickness and sin, a compound reason for both sickness and sin. Jehovah Jireh was providing an ensign that represented that their sin was forgiven and a healing for their sickness. You get it? Serpent represented sin judged. Brass, see, brass is one thing that you can't tamper with. Brass cannot be tempered. You find some farmer or temple of brass, <laughs> your tithings for six months will pay my way for 50 years around the world missionary. <laughs> you can find something to temper brass. Can't be tempered. Goes to show that God's represented brass as divine judgment, and God's divine judgment cannot be tempered. God is the same yesterday, today, forever. Here you are. I want you to get it now. Look, brass, the brazen altar where the sacrifices were burned. Judgment. Divine judgment. And in the days of Elijah, when he went out and looked at the skies, he said they looked like brass. Divine judgment up on a rebellious nation. God have mercy. The skies sometimes look brass around here in America. Divine judgment. Hardly can break through. Judgment. Notice. Then the ensign was lifted up. A beautiful picture of this. It's pictured in in Ruth. Many of you just read Ruth as maybe a little love story in the Bible, which it is. But all what a beautiful story that is representing Christ and His church. How that Neoma went over into the land of Moab, and there her husband died, her two sons died, leaving widows on the road back. The beautiful picture. Listen. Ruth, the Moabite, a Gentile, carried away with dumb idols like we were. And when it came time, Neoma kissed her and said, Go back to your people. And with your people, I'll go along. But she said, Let your people be my people. Let me live where you live. Let me die where you die. 
and let me be buried where you are buried, and let your God be my God. Beautiful picture of the young Gentile church coming in by the old Jewish church, the Jews who packed the gospel first. Oh, how marvelous. Let's get the picture right quick while we're running along this line, if we can. Now notice, and she would not, but she went on. And did you notice, Neoma returned in barley season, just exactly at the right time when we were gathering barley. And Boaz was her kinsman, and he was harvesting his great field, the Lord of the harvest. And Ruth, the young gleaner, went out into the field to glean a type of the Gentile church gleaning. Amen. Picking up just what they could. The gleaner's going ahead. Oh, they say, y'all haven't got the Pentecostal blessing. Oh, yeah, we're gleaning all right. Look at the Lord of the harvest when he looked down and seen the little woman ready to glean and pick up what she could. A little blessing here and one there, which was life to her. Beautiful type of the church today. He said to the reapers, every once in a while, drop a handful. I like to find them, don't you? <laughs> Just drop a handful far. Say, because she's found favor with me. Amen. I like that. She might be an off-cast, a holy roller, whatever you want to call her, but just drop a few handfuls now and then. I like her. Said, who is she? Where did she come from? And when the harvest is over, the great Lord of the harvest, which is Boaz, a representative of Christ to the church, he had fallen in love with her and he wanted to marry her. But before he could marry her, he had to redeem Neoma's lost estate. And before he could redeem her estate, the law, the Vedical law was he had to be a kinsman, a near kinsman. When I think of that, the law required him to be a near kinsman, her closest kinsman. And he must be worthy, a man of honor. And he must be able to do it financially. And then he must make an ensign if he had redeemed all she had. Notice, a kinsman. God. Man was made in the image of God first, and God is a spirit. And then, in order to redeem that man, God had to come down in a form of sinful flesh and become a kinsman. Christ! Amen. Christ was made a kinsman. God was made a kinfolks to us, flesh and blood like we are. Amen. What a beautiful story. The whole Bible just ties together everywhere. Nothing of it out of way. All ties right together. As Boaz had to be Neoma's kinsman, God to redeem the church must be a kinsman. And he came down, taking on himself the form of sinful flesh. Amen. He was worthy. He was God's son. He had to be worth it. He had all heavens and all the earth. Notice, Boaz then gathered Israel. 
And remember, the ensign had to be lifted up outside the gates of the city. I want you to get it. And Boaz came out there and brought the Israel elders and said, Now, if anyone has got anything to say, let them say it. And see this day that I have redeemed Naomi's lost estate. And he kicked off his shoe and threw it amongst the Israelites, which was the custom, an ensign that he had redeemed Naomi and all she had. What a beautiful sight of God made flesh and dwell among us. Come down to suffer the death and the penalty. The innocent for the guilty. The lovely one for the unlovely. Try to break the man's heart to think of such that God had to do for lost sinners like you and I. An ensign must be lifted up. You said, Brother Bram, you mean now to place that snake, Jesus? Yes, it represented Jesus, that brad serpent, the ensign. For Christ, knowing no sin, yet was made sin for us. And look at him now, when he was beaten, God's just judgment had to be paid. The day you eat thereof, that day you die. God's word has to be kept. There he is, standing in Pilate's judgment hall with mockery spit hanging over his face. The hands that raised the widow's son spoke peace to the harlot. The eyes that looked so tenderly upon the crowds was now bleeding, blood running down his face and mockery spit from church members and soldiers. There he goes. Look at him. I see little red dots in his robe. Them little red dots begins to get bigger as he goes up the hill. After a while, they all go together. Then you hear a slapping on his side. It's his bloody robe. Then at Golgotha, they nailed his hands up and lift him up as an ensign. He redeemed the church. Redeemed or what? He said, just as Moses lifted up the brass serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? A compound reason. Because she had sinned and was sick, and he lifted it up for their salvation and healing. And he was wounded for our transgressions. With his stripes we were healed. The ensign lifted up. Beautiful. There's the Son of God. Lifted up for your ensign. As Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness, so must, at just the same way, same cause, same thing, then what did he do when he lifted up there? When he, God lifted up the ensign to the world. He showed to this church tonight, he showed to the world that he had redeemed all the lost estate of the church and the people's. And what is our loss? If you've lost your salvation, He's the end for the sins of the world. What a pity. Then do you mean to tell me that you could deny divine healing? There it is in the Scripture. 
That's what Jesus said. Just as Moses lifted the brass serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up for sin and sickness. And he's here tonight. He's still lifted up. And he was put into the grave and God lifted him up. And his spirit is among us tonight doing signs and wonders. Do you believe it? Now he's ready to make anybody save anybody that wants to be saved? How could you get a mental picture of Calvary and remain a sinner? How could you look at him going up Golgotha to the hill to be crucified in your place, a guilty sinner, and see the precious Son of God going up the hill dying in your stead? How could you look at his back bleeding when he was striped across his back for our healing, then deny divine healing? God have mercy. Let me, O oh Lord, live. Let me testify to it if the whole world turns it down. Yet, Lord, I believe you. I still believe it. If I, tonight, if I would preach and a thousand people get converted, be filled with the Holy Spirit and die in 50 years from now, return back and say, Brother Branham, don't go that way because it's not right. I'd still say, let me die in Christ Jesus. If I prayed for a thousand people and all of them died in the morning, tomorrow night I could preach divine healing and pray for the sick just as easy as I can tonight because it's God's Word and it can't fail. God's Word. God has given it to us. Don't bypass it. Embrace it. Claim the promise, say, it's mine, O Lord. You died for me, and I'm willing tonight to lift myself up as an example and a testimony. I want to be an ensign to you. I want the world to know that you're my Savior. I want everybody to know that I lift myself up as a Christian. I believe you. And I'll go testify and tell everyone that you saved me. And if you're sick, I'd get to my feet and say, I accept my healing. And I, as Jesus Christ, was lifted up for an ensign stripe for my healing, so I'll lift my testimony up myself and say, By stripes I am healed. Amen. Oh, what love. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank thee, Lord, that thy ways are more excellent than ours. We pray, Father, may all the lessons that we've learned today, may you May they be ingrained in our hearts so so that like David we may say, Thy word have I hidden my heart that I may not sin against thee. So Father, help us to meditate on these words for the rest of the day. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
True.